0: I am the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of our lady. This is the Terry and Jesse show, and my partner is... Terry
1: Barber, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior,
0: Jesus Christ, Christ and the Lebanese lover of our lady. Jess,
1: I love when you start a show I, off right I, I
0: haven't said that in a long time. I know.
1: You got a big grin out of me on that,
0: brother. You, you, you like that intro, so I figured, hey, and I'll throw right. that in there. You're right. It's true. Hey, true. Uh, we're, we're two uh, Catholics with yep. PhDs in common sense. And let me tell you something. Uh, Terry and me, we've been around, we've been around, we're not, we're not, we're not rookies at this, we've been around for a while, uh, and I'll tell you one thing, we, uh, this is a time right now, like never before, to stand up, stand up, stand up for Jesus with your lives, with your lips, and with your love, I'm reporting for duty, partner. I'm reporting for duty also,
1: Jess, and today's show is going to be fascinating Uh, And the reason I say it's fascinating is because we have the culture of death, and what's happened is the culture is invaded into our Holy Mother Church. That's why we come out and say we have to stand up for the truth, even when we call out high officials in the church, which St. Thomas Aquinas told us we have an obligation to do. Mm -hmm. So today, we're going to talk about three sinister public health mistakes. Uh, We're going to play a clip for five minutes. That's going to be very educational. Then we're going to move right over to Bishop Athanasius Snyder's interview. It's on LifeSite News, the three of them. And we're going to talk about the fourth century and what, how we, the fourth century of Arianism and how 80% of the Catholic bishops were Arians. And many of the people had to leave and go to church outside the buildings. And, and Bishop, uh, excuse me, St. Athanasius said, give them the churches, we have the faith. Well, I feel like we're at that point again, Jess, and we're going to talk about that also, the real reason young people are leaving the faith, uh, we I think it's necessary to expose this because we're so— I mean, for every six people that leave the church, one comes in, and they're already out within five years. We're doing something wrong, and we're <laughs> going to talk about that, you think? <laughs> and Jess, I have some really, really good news right now, bro. I mean, I can talk about— a city in Virginia that outlawed abortion. And that's great that the city council said that. But, you know, the abortion, since the Roe versus Wade overturned the, the Dobbs decision, over 10,000 babies have been saved from killing centers. Now, you think about this 10, 15 years from now, Jess, those people who say, oh, yeah, let's just kill them, those are now customers for their businesses. They're now having their own children, twenty-five, thirty years later, and it goes on. And so, this article I have points out every state. And you know what I love about it? This will uh, in two months. Guess how many abortions the state of Texas had uh, in, uh, in in the two months of September, October. Just take a guess, everybody. This will blow you away. Mm. All right, I'm going to tell you they had eleven. What? What? That's what it says in this article. In that big, huge state. That's a huge state of 25 wow. million people. But because they said no, we're not going to oh, do
0: it. The left must be going crazy yeah, over there.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's an amazing
0: good news story. Because oh, here that's it is. Their sa- Terry. Because that's their sacrament. That's, that's hey,
1: sacrament I'm, I'm wrong, Jesse. I I overestimated. Here it is. Texas saved most babies from abortion from April to August. Only 10 babies were killed, not 11, 10. Unbelievable. It, it can happen, Jesse, if God it will. Is, and that's why, Jess, wow. the midterms elections are so important. Because yes. if we can vote with our moral conscience and stop the killing centers in all these states, many more souls and many more babies will be
0: born alive. Yes, let me put out three, a, a couple of news items real Good. quick. Hit me. Elon Musk took the reins of Twitter and he fired the CEO, yep. the CFO... And uh, the head of the legal policy, trust and safety. Good for him. Guess what? All three of them yeah. that he fired yeah. were responsible for banning Donald Trump from social media platform <laughs> while he was serving as That's president funny. of the US. No surprise. They are gone. Yeah,
1: good for that.
0: Uh, Catholic ad, vote, Terry, great yeah. organization. Oh yeah, they're doing a... Menu. They're blitzing several states, they've got a two million uh, yep. ad campaign right. in key battleground states to defeat fake Catholic candidates. <laughs> who oppose the church's teachings on morality and on marriage. And and by the way, Catholic Vote is putting the ads in Spanish and in English. God bless you, Brian Burge. Also, you're finding that black and Hispanic voters are swinging to the right. Now, 40% of Hispanics and 21% of blacks are backing the Republican Party, says USA Today. Uh, The issues of inflation and the feelings that the white house hasn't done enough to address it is helping republicans score significant inroads amongst hispanics and black voters that's huge terry it is yeah that's huge and uh, the last thing i'll mention is that uh, all good news the uh uh the coach that was fired for praying we were he was reinstated joe kennedy i think we've mentioned that yeah, we before did. Yep. he was, he lost his job in 2015 for praying uh in the field after games <laughs> after football games well the uh the the supreme court Reinstated him awesome. in June. They ruled six to three in his favor. So the coach, they said that the coach was within his constitutional rights when he prayed at midfield after the games. Good news. Praise God. Just let's get to the absolute good news, the soul food that you give us each
1: day here on Virgin yeah. Most. Turn, I
0: want to do the first reading, and and uh, I, I, I like that, that first reading, brother. Yeah. Woo. The responsorial psalm in the first reading. For, let, me, let me get the responsorial psalm is so soothing, so beautiful. Yeah. In you, Psalm one thirty one, in you, o Lord, o, Lord, o Lord, I have found, I have found peace. my peace. Amen. Ow. O Lord, my heart is not proud, <laughs> nor my eyes haughty. I busy not myself with great things, nor with things too sublime for me. Nay, rather I have stilled and quieted my soul like a wean child, like a wean child on, in its mother's lap. Mm-hmm. So is my soul within you, O Israel. Hope in the Lord both now and forever, O Lord. In you, I have found in my peace. peace. The first reading was from the book of Philippians, chapter two, verses one to four. A very soothing book. It just, mm-hmm. it just got, it just the, the theology there just so soothing uh, to a person that's under anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm. And Saint Paul says, "Brothers and sisters, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any solace in love, any participation in the Spirit, any compassion and mercy, complete my joy by being of the same mind." With the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing, do nothing out of selfishness or out of vainglory. Rather, humbly regard others as more important than yourselves. Each looking out not for his own interests, but also for everyone. But also everyone for those of others. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What. Uh, to what Saint Paul basically said is what Mother Saint Mother Teresa lived embodied in her whole life as a nun. What Saint Paul just said right now, this just described the whole life and missionary effort of Mother Teresa. And this is all. This is also another piece of advice that Venerable Fulton Sheen gives. Mm-hmm. People that suffer from like you know scrupulosity and they're always thinking about themselves, uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen would tell them. Uh, stop thinking about yourselves and start helping others. This is what this whole uh, first reading was about, is start helping others. And you know, Jesse, this applies to
1: us in the church, okay? Meaning that who's in need? Bishop Sheen talks about that on His Life is Worth Living. Go out and help your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? The one who's in need. And so this fits right into the work of Virgin Most Powerful. I believe, Jesse, the greatest need, and Mother Teresa said it too, The greatest need is to give people salvation. Yeah. In other words, I can give them bread and feed them for life. I mean, I get that. I can keep getting them on entitlements. But if I give them uh, the faith of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, if I introduce them to the person of Christ, their life changes in this world and most especially in the next.
0: Terry, and I like what St. Paul said also in the first reading that All of us are called to have the same mind. In other words, there should be no heterodox uh, in the church or dissenters or modernists. Everybody should be orthodox. In other words, accept the teachings of Holy Mother Church. St. Paul tells us that we should all be of the same mind. He also says with this, he says, united also. Look at this. I love it. In heart, Mm. thinking one thing. And that's one of the things that the devil tries to sow is division, is dissension, is discord. But the Bible says we're supposed to be of one heart thinking one thing. And also, again, what's very important is regard others more important than you. Yeah. In other words, that's the golden rule. St. Paul's repeating the golden rule of Jesus yep. Christ. Yeah. You know, the problem is, Terry, is we got too many people. Yeah. They're 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 narcissists they're they're absorbed with themselves me myself and i and look at look at the people in hollywood you know all the the money they put in their body yep. all the plastic look at me with my tight dress with my tight outfit i'm doing the red carpet walk because i got my new movie yeah. look at me look at me terry this is the exact opposite of what yeah. god calls us to got a partner you and,
1: and you know jesse that brings me right up to fulton sheen right now and we're going to talk about that let's bring the smartest guy into the room okay Full Sheen ahead here. This time, Bishop Sheen is with our own friend Bishop Joseph Strickland, and I can see right now Bishop Sheen coming down from heaven, going, "You guys need help, man." Uh,
2: <laughs> I so see a lot of,
1: Strickland. Yeah, yeah, so he's got Strickland up there, and they're talking. Trust me. And Strickland says, "Yeah, Bishop Strickland or Bishop Sheen, uh, I might now scratching my head because of the division in the church. The Pontifical Council came out, and you know, uh, is not teaching." Things from uh, what the church's perennial teachings are—they're not—they're putting in people who don't who believe in abortion. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So what? F- what Bishop Strickland told Bishop Sheen, he said the Pontifical Council for Life doesn't need to exist if it's not going to protect life from conception to natural death. That's what it's there for. And Bishop Sheen said, "Yeah, you're not kidding, buddy. I'm sorry. I thought it was bad when I was on planet Earth in the church in the '60s and '70s. It's it's back to." Uh, a dissent even among people inside the church and the episcopalian. So, Bishop Sheen, please pray for us when we come back. Jess, we got We got that video, Jess. That's gonna talk about the mistakes, sinister mistakes
0: that we made as mistake. a result of the scam, demic, pandemic.
1: Stay with us, folks.
2: We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: We made a lot of mistakes during the scandemic pandemic. And uh, we have Dr. Aaron Cariotti. He's going to talk about three sinister public health mistakes. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip?
3: In 2020 we conducted the largest medical experiment on human subjects in world history, without informed consent. That experiment failed. Thousands lost their livelihoods. I myself was fired for refusing the vaccine. Social distancing encouraged citizens to view friends and neighbors as potential threats. One quarter of young adults in America contemplated suicide during lockdowns in June 2020 alone, while anxiety disorders tripled and depression disorders quadrupled. Some would call that unprecedented. Let's take a look at just three mistakes in the public health response to the COVID pandemic. Number one, lockdowns. Lockdowns were never a part of conventional public health. Confining entire populations doesn't work. Yet this approach proceeded without debate. The result, according to a Johns Hopkins review study, enormous economic and social costs, and little to no effect on the spread of COVID. Lockdown significantly impacted blue-collar workers who were unable to work from home, resulting in supply chain disruptions. 30 million Americans filed for unemployment in the first two months of 2020. By the end of May, 2021, there were 40% fewer small businesses open nationwide than at the start of 2020. Homelessness rose as 11 million households owed $70 billion in back rent. Lines to food banks stretched while incomes shrank. In response, governments pumped trillions of relief dollars into their economies, resulting in massive inflation and untold consequences that will last decades. Mistake number two, Vaccine mandates. The narrative for vaccine mandates had three parts. First, it was safe for everyone. Second, it was necessary for everyone. Third, and this point is key, any hesitancy was a PR problem to be overcome. Thus, if you questioned any part of this narrative, you were banished both socially and professionally. In many countries and states, vaccine passports were required to do things like travel, eat in a restaurant, attend a public gathering, or even return to our own country. Even some religious authorities adopted vaccine mandates and punished anyone as heretics who questioned their open discrimination against those who, for reasons of conscience or otherwise, requested an accommodation. In any other time, we would have immediately revolted in response to these draconian measures. But this was deemed okay, even necessary, because we were told that enforced vaccines were the only way back to a normal life, something that subsequent waves of the virus and vaccine boosters made a perpetually moving target. Throughout all of this, we saw the most sinister mistake of all, the deployment of fear. Stoked by 24-7 news reports tracking case counts and COVID deaths, the populace cowered at home in fear. Meanwhile, Private health insurance companies doubled their earnings on money they had not spent on patient care. And data that might reduce our fear of COVID was withheld by public health agencies like the CDC. This led to broad distrust of the scientific community and of our public health leaders in general. Americans were scared, alone, and angry. And that's how it was engineered to be. An entire population moved not by data, or reason, but by psychological manipulation. Free people acting together must clearly demonstrate that there are strict limits to what citizens will accept under the rubric of a public health emergency. In the wake of the COVID pandemic, reestablishing healthcare privacy, conscience rights, open scientific debate, and respect for alternative views must be a priority as we look to have essential and robust public discussion about these policy issues. There are human and spiritual goods that should never be surrendered, especially under extraordinary circumstances. When and if another pandemic happens, we must be ready, not just with medicines and vaccines, but with a humane approach to social, economic, and health policy that is worthy of the people that these policies are supposed to protect. I'm Dr. Aaron Cariotti, a physician and director of the Bioethics and American Democracy program at the Ethics and Public Policy Center for Edify.
0: Wow. You know, Terry, these COVID restrictions, yeah. in my in my take, they were worse than the co than the COVID virus itself. Oh yeah. Big time. And 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 to me, the masks, they're just a way of controlling people. Yeah. I was doing some research over the weekend, I, I didn't know this, that countries that practice slavery, and basically you're talking about most most of the countries on planet Earth, but during the time of slavery, you'll find that many slaves were forced to wear masks. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. I was looking at some pictures on the internet that many slaves in many countries are forced to wear masks. <laughs> hmm also, well, I, I did know about this—that the Jews under Hitler, they had to wear a yellow star on their chest. That's yes. Almost. That's almost what they had us do here. You get, you got to get a pa- vax passport. Uh, and but uh, essentially, Terry, this whole COVID nineteen uh, pandemic, this all this was was an entire experiment that they tried on the world's population to see if they can get to us to con- if they can control us. And guess what? They've seen that they can. How? Through fear. That's exactly. Fear. It. Yeah, you nailed it, Jesse. I,
1: I mean, that's the bottom line. This, this fear is driving people to not use their head. their emotional. Yes. I mean, you've seen yes. it. Three, four people wearing masks over masks. Or I see somebody on a bike on a trail wearing a mask. What's that all about? It's fear. People <laughs> are afraid that if they don't wear the mask, they're going to die. And think about this, Jesse. We found out the truth about this. How many people would die? More people died from the vaccination rather than from the virus. And so this is just um, ludicrous, and I'm glad that the good doctor put out this five-minute video, and I would encourage others to pass it on to friends because still today we have people just so frightened. I was at the lake yesterday, and here they are walking at the lake out on a boat in in the island there, and the lady's got a mask on. And you know, there's there's like four of us out on the lake. I mean, what's that all about? It's fear.
0: Yeah, uh, and and Terry, there's a an acronym that I've seen out there on on social media where it says fear F E A R, false evidence appearing real. <laughs> That's a good one. That describes the the, uh, the the China virus. Yep. False evidence appearing real. In other words, remember we have to. The, the Bible tells us. In 1 John 4, 4, greater is he, that's God, who is in me, than he who is in the world. This is what they want to do. They want to scare us into control. And the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, close quote. So remember, don't be afraid. God is not giving you a spirit of fear, He's giving you a spirit of power. And uh, and 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 John the Apostle tells us in 1 John 4 18, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And and for by the way, today's October 31st, and you're gonna have a lot of ghouls and goblins coming to your house. If some of you are afraid of October 31st. Make sure you're doing your prayers throughout the day, your morning prayers, midday prayers, evening prayers. Amen. Hopefully, try to get the to mass today. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of wicked stuff happens on October 31st with the occultists, with the Satanists, with the witches. Here's what I would do if uh, before the ghouls and goblins come knocking at your door, pray Psalm 91. Okay? You, you fathers, just grab your Bible. You know, or your iPhone, make the sign of the cross and say, "I pray Psalm ninety-one protection over my entire house and my kids," and pray Psalm ninety-one. It's an exorcism prayer, and uh, again, this way you banish any spirit of fear that you may have about, ooh yeah, October thirty-first, and yeah, you know, this is what they say about that, Terry. But the bottom line is, the shutdown yeah. was worse that, you than know, the actual than the actual absolutely. Virus. And Jess, yeah. this is what
1: I wanted to jump in to say when that was going on, you know. All the churches, unfortunately, shut their doors. They did just the opposite of what Holy Mother the Church has done in the past when things like happened. Yes. And so what we did here at our, at our chapel is we brought in priests all the way from Fresno, California to L.A. Oh. to hear confessions, to say Mass, and hundreds of people were going to confessions during the day because... We were able to keep our doors open, and I people can't. They were telling me, "Oh, I said, thank you for doing it." I mean, it was nothing more than doing the right thing. In other words, yeah. when we have a situation where the world is going to frighten us, right? What do we do? We turn to our faith, man. I mean, without faith, yeah, I can see why people are scared. If they think that this life is the only life they have, mm. I understand why they put three masks on, Jess. They think, whatever it takes, I, I won't go anywhere. I, I'll live in a bubble. And, you know, that's not the way to live life. We, we live life because we have trust in God, the providence of God. We're living in the presence of God. And when you do that, you're not going to have the fear that the world is. And, Jesse, think about the effects also of suicides that took place, people get oh. losing their life because of this fear. Many of them, the suicide rate went sky high. Marriages broke up because of this. Yes. Lots of people's financials went crazy. They couldn't pay their car payment. They couldn't make their mortgage payment. Lost
0: payments. houses. Lost their
1: car. All of lost that. Job.
0: Well, look at Dr. Aaron Carriati himself. Lost his whole profession. Yeah, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what would uh, increase was people viewing pornography around exactly. the world. You nailed it. Jeff. I read it increased by eighteen percent. Yep. Yeah. Eighteen percent. Yeah. Yep. Uh, suicides yep. increased. Nine one one calls related to suicide. Oh yeah, uh, these things jumped. Th- these things increase. Also, domestic violence increased. Yeah, you know people. He, you know spouses beating up on spouses. This also increased. Uh, yeah, Terry. There was a. There's a good video out there. It's, it's on. It's called the Real uh, Doctor Fauci. Uh, oh, I've watched it. Yeah, you, I watched oh, it le- yep. over the weekend. I watched yep. it Saturday and Sunday. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I watched it twice. Uh, <laughs> and it's, this guy's he's a very evil man. Yeah, very evil man. Uh, I hope he repents before he dies. He's an old man because he has a lot to atone for, Terry. and Jesse, one
1: more aspect. It was just on the internet today. The production of Americans has gone way down because people are so focused on their health. They forgot about going to work. They forgot about providing for their family, uh, the children. The education went way down. Uh, This was really a disaster for not only the world but for America. And again, this has all been done In a way to scare us to show, hey, we can control you. No, you can't. I'm going to tell you right now. uh, You know, I'm a child of God, and heir to the kingdom. And what you can't do to me, you can't send me anywhere that
0: God isn't. That's right. That's right. Amen. but uh, that's exactly why we need faith, because without faith, it is impossible to please God.
1: Yeah, let's bring Bishop no, Bishop Athanasius Snyder into the picture about an underground church. Well, he lived in it in Russia, and it seems like we're back we, to the fourth we may century. We be in that direction. Yeah, we could be. And we'll talk about just that and much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us,
2: Sam. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: John Henry Weston had a conversation in an interview with Bishop Athanasius Snyder from Kazakhstan about the secret underground church. And uh, let's get right to it. John Henry Weston asks him that we've been going... Right now, in the church, through hard times, spiritually hard times for quite a while, yep. and you've spoken numerous times about the underground church, having perhaps to go underground. And I know you live that as a ch- you lived that as a child yourself, for that reason, but also for your state right now in the church, it would be very fruitful, I think, from the from the for the faithful to hear from you about how that works in practice. You see, in China, for instance, the church is living underground had been, and they're in the midst of that still, but we're in a sort of similar situation. Let me go right to his answer. Bishop Schneider says, an example of this for the faithful and priest to be in some way persecuted and marginalized by those who occupy the high-ranking positions in the church by bishops. In this situation, we had in the fourth century with Arianism. Right. In those times, valid bishops, licit bishops, the majority, they persecuted true Catholics who kept the tradition of faith in the divinity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This was a question of life and death, the truth and the tradition of the faith. And so they were expelled from the churches. They were forced to go to the roots to open air masses. That's right. and in, And in some way we can also face these situations. It's already happened. Happening after Traditiones Custodes, especially. There are places where people are cast out literally from parish churches where they held for several years the traditional Latin Mass, approved by Pope Benedict XVI and by the local bishops. And now, with this new situation of Traditiones Custodes, some bishops are, I repeat, Literally expelling the best faithful, the best priests from the churches, from the parishes. But the parish church is called the mother church. And so these faithful are forced to seek new places of worship, gyms, schools or halls and so on. And this is a situation which is similar to a kind of catacomb situation. Not literally catacombs, as they can still celebrate publicly, but in, in a situation which is similar to the catacombs, because they cannot use their official structures and buildings of the church. By the way, that just happened here at St. Anne's in, uh, in Gilbert, Arizona. The wow. bishop told the pastor, he says, oh, you do the Latin Mass? He goes, yeah, we've been doing it at 3 p.m. for about, mm, about 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. They got a beautiful Latin choir, a pipe organ. He says, um, well, you're going to have to find somewhere else to do the Latin Mass. You can't <laughs> do it here no more. So I know they're on a timeline. They're, they're looking for like an elementary school. No, or, no I wish chapel to them. Or an empty, building, oh, or an empty building somewhere. Terrible. So Because there's a large following of Latin yes. mass people in Gilbert. Yes. And so it's, hap- it's happening all over, Terry.
1: Yeah, sad. Go ahead. No, well, just, I just want to say that he said at the same time, any situation of the persecution of the church in history brought many blessings. See, we're going to be blessed by this, strengthening more of the faith of the people. And they uh, strengthen not only... Their own faith, but being expelled, seeking other places, but their fidelity to strengthen the entire church, and it will and this mat- matters that this injustice, unjust treatment of those Catholics in our own day by the Vatican, by Pope Francis, his orders, and by the bishops, like Jesse just said, some bishops unfortunately had to simply fulfill orders which came down from the nuncio or from the Vatican to shut down churches. And masses. There you go. Just I I say this because it hurts me. Because it's almost like we're destroying the church from within. We're having the officials who are supposed to build us up in the faith and confirm us, and they're undermining us, saying no, 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 Latin mass. Oh no, no, no. We're not going to do this. We're not going. No, no. We you know don't breed like uh, rabbits. Don't do this things that are against the traditional teachings of the church and it's very disturbing. What's the next question that John Henry John asks? John Henry
0: Weston asks him. He said that he went to a Catholic identity conference. Oh, yeah. really- and he said uh you know Catholics there are known for obedience to the pope uh, but they're now speaking out resisting the pope. How does that even work he says? We're even praying as we do at LifeSite News every day. Yep. Every day after, after you did yourself praying openly for the conversion of the pope. I'm doing that with my own children. Uh we you know we have a great love for the pope so he's asking them what should we do? Bishop Schneider says first we have to clarify the true concept and this is the meat of the article. Oh, no, right really is. Highlight it. We have to cl- clarify the true concept and meaning of obedience. Yep. St. Thomas Aquinas says that absolute unconditional obedience we owe only to God alone. To no creature, not even to the pope. And so the obedience towards the pope and the bishops and the church is a limited obedience. In other words, so far as they're following the perennial teachings of the church. There you go. So when the Pope or the bishops are commanding something which will ev- evidently undermine the fullness of the Catholic faith and the fullness of the Catholic liturgy, this treasure of the church, the traditional Latin mass, and harm by undermining the purity of faith, by undermining the purity of the sacredness of the liturgy, we are harming the entire church. We are decreasing the good of the church the spiritual good of the church, we are decreasing the good of our souls. And here we cannot collaborate. That's right. How That's can right. we collaborate diminishing the purity of the faith? How can we collaborate diminishing the sacredness, the sublimity of the liturgy of the Holy Mass, which is the millennial, millennium old traditional mass of all saints? And in these cases, we are even obliged not only Can we in some occasions, but we must say to the Holy Father, to the bishops with all due respect and love for you, we cannot execute these orders, which you are giving because they are harming the good of our Holy Mother Church. So we have to seek other places and nevertheless be in some way formally disobedient. But in fact, we will be obedient to our Holy Mother Church, which is greater than a singular Pope. The holy mother church is greater than a singular pope and so we are not obedient and so we are obedient to our holy mother church we are obedient to the popes of all ages who promoted defended protected the purity of catholic faith unconditionally uncompromisingly and who defended all the sacredness and the unchanging liturgy of the holy mass through the century Well said bishop
1: Snyder and I also yeah. add something from the Summa that you talked about in an earlier interview bishop Snyder and that was that, the uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas, the Doctor of the Church, said that even if the Pope was teaching something that was scandalous to the faithful, like for example, Amoris Letitia saying that you know we can go to Holy Communion living in a second marriage, uh, if that was done, which it was, yeah. he said we have a moral obligation to say to the Holy Father, with all due respect, Holy Father. This is not what has been taught for the perennial teachings of the church. I reject that. You, in other words, we we can't just be quiet, Jesse. We have to speak up.
0: What's yeah, the if, you're, if you're if you're if your if your natural father is doing something physically or emotionally abusive to your natural law mother yeah. and you walk in and see it yeah. and say you're 18, 19, you're already a young man. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're you're of the age of maturity. You have a moral obligation to say something. Hey, That's Dad, right. Not quit t- quit twisting mom's arm. Let her yep. go. Don't do that to mom, or you know w- w- whatever the case may be. Yeah. So, he, John Henry Weston asks him. So, for priests, there's an even greater question it's because priests question. must obey their bishops. And yet some of the bishops are instructing them, demanding them that they remove the faithful, yeah. that they deny the faithful the traditional mass, that they even refuse pro-life things inside parishes, calling them political. So Bishop Snyder answered, he says, this is a very delicate question. And I think it's a question which touches the conscience of these priests. Amen. It could be a different answer for every moment, but every priest has to ask God in conscience what he has to do in this moment. And And it could also be that maybe some priests would obey. And in this case, they cannot help the traditional Catholics. Maybe for the sake that they want to at least be still in the official structures to do something good. At least this could, be, this could be also an option. But there's another option which could also be legitimate. If by their conscience they decided that they had to informally disobey the bishop and continue to celebrate the traditional Mass and the sacraments, not only the Holy Mass, but the sacraments also in a clandestine way or in an official way, maybe non approved way. But it is only for a short time, a temporary solution. And they have to keep, nevertheless, their love for their bishop who persecutes them. They have to pray for this bishop. They have to keep their love for Pope Francis and pray for him. And this time will pass. This is only a temporary phenomenon. Amen. And then again, God will give us a strong pope who will defend the traditional mass and traditional faith. And then good popes. This will come surely, without doubt. We must, we have simply to endure this temporal situation <laughs> and also these priests must endure with faith that God will intervene.
1: Jesse, the next question is a great one. You mentioned this about the church, that it will have a new Holy Father who embraces truth and the fullness of faith. And I know this is your your only guess, your own heart, your own prayerful discernment. But what is your thought about this? Because it looks like, as everybody has said, Pope Francis has stacked the College of Cardinals The election obviously is not going to be too long from now. You know, Pope Francis is an older gentleman and his health's not good. But people are saying, look, the college is stacked again. And we're looking to, what do you think is going to come up with that?
0: Get right to the answer. Yeah, let's get, well,
1: we're going to, oh yeah, get to the answer. You go
0: ahead, Jess, hit it. Bishop Snyder says, well, it is not up to us to know the time. As Jesus Christ said to the apostles in the Acts of the Apostles, it's not up to us to know the time. God knows already when he will give again to his church a strong 100% traditional Catholic pope. And that every pope has to be 100% Catholic, 100% traditional. This was St. Peter, and this was all the popes throughout the history with very few exceptions. This is inherent to the nature of the papal office to be really a 100% traditional defender of the faith, and the sacredness of the holy liturgy. Amen. And this will come because of because this is, I repeat, the nature of the papal office. And currently in the last decades, this nature was obfuscated by this current crisis of the church. So we don't know exactly the time, but we have to pray that the time will be shortened Amen. and God's intervention depends on our prayers and we have to make a coalition, an alliance, maybe a worldwide alliance of prayers, a chain of prayers, of rosaries to implore a most speedy intervention of God to grant the church a true, strong, courageous Catholic Pope. Strong words, Terry, but very true.
1: Well, Very true. And Jesse, you know, Bishop Schneider comes on once a month with us here on Virgin Most Powerful. And we're going to get him again in a couple of weeks. As a matter of fact, he's going to be part of a Eucharistic revival conference we're putting on along with Bishop Schneider. Why? Because we have to proclaim the teachings of the church in season and out in spite of scandal. And I think that that's what Bishop Schneider is giving us faith by saying, pray, offer, and don't worry, just like Padre Pio. When we come back, we've got another interesting little clip to play about why so many young people are leaving the Catholic Church, and a solution. Stay with us. Mm -hmm.
2: Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: So what's the real reason that young people are leaving the faith? Here's a good short presentation from Catholic Edify. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip?
4: Would you believe me if I told you that the large decrease in faith and church attendance is driven by the decline of marriage? That the plummeting number of people in the pews and decline of faith in Jesus is because too many young people grow up without married parents? Let me prove it to you. Some background. For the first time in the Gallup Poll's 87 year history, a majority of Americans say they do not belong to any house of worship, most of whom have no religion at all. That is a 23 point drop since the year 2000. That's huge. Nothing short of a cultural revolution. Today, Catholic and other Christian leaders try to fight this revolution by spending somewhere between four and six billion dollars annually on youth ministry to stop youth from falling away. Yet many young people are leaving Christianity behind earlier and earlier. A study of former Catholics found that 74% left the faith between the ages of 10 and 20, with age 13 being the median age when kids leave. So at a time when the church has never spent more on evangelizing youth, we've never been less effective at passing on the faith. Why is that? Cominio commissioned an academic study that found that if a millennial grew up in a continuously married home and a baby boomer grew up in a continuously married home, the two attend church every single week at nearly the same exact rate. Our analysis of Pew Research data shows that changes in family structure began with the sexual revolution in the 1960s and the collapse of faith grew as the children of this revolution did. So the collapse of faith is an effect of the collapse of marriage. To put it another way, our churches would largely be full today if Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z enjoyed the same family structure as baby boomers. So the health of a person's faith is directly connected to the health of that person's family. When there are fewer lasting marriages, there are fewer children with married parents, and a decline in faith always follows. The new evangelization, called for by Pope St. John Paul II, must therefore be a nuptial movement. None of this should surprise us. The Bible begins and ends with a wedding. God's story of salvation is told as a spousal love story. This is why the enemy has sought to destroy the marital embrace. From 1970 to today, there's been a 61% drop in the number of people getting married. Catholic weddings are down 75% going back to 1970. And churches are not yet engaged in the fight to save the family. While billions are spent on youth each and every year, 85% of all churches and 82% of Catholic parishes spend zero dollars on marriage and relationship ministry. But here's some good news. In Jacksonville, Florida, my organization coordinated an ecumenical project to strengthen marriages. Christians moved nearly 60,000 people through relationship skills education over three years, and the divorce rate plunged 24%. We found that when churches do get involved in this fight, the church can win. So here's what needs to happen. Catholic parishes should evangelize by becoming hubs for healthy relationships, both for single and married people. We can only grow as disciples through living out our vocation. This means marriage ministry must become an essential and standard part of parish life. The culture has broken the very idea and cadence of healthy dating, so much so that few get married. So parish life must build community for the unmarried and leverage existing skills and resources to help form and discern relationships. All Catholics can offer to help their pastor make this a reality. Sister Lucia, one of the children who received the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima, predicted that the final battle between the kingdom of the Lord and the kingdom of Satan will be about marriage and the family. I think that battle has commenced. Will we, as faithful Catholics, answer the call to fight for marriage? I'm J.P. DeGance of Cominio for Edify.
0: God bless him, Jess. Wow, Terry. You know, uh, it's you've you heard about that phrase that's the economy stupid by James Carvel back in 1992. Mm-hmm. Well, what we need to say right now from the rooftops is it's the family stupid. Yeah, <laughs> this is exactly what's under attack. And I'll tell you, it's you know, let's let's compare this to science. If you split an atom. Scientists say that it, it could cause a nuclear explosion and chaos by yeah. splitting an atom. Yeah. Well, when you split a husband and wife, oh, yeah. you're causing a a societal explosion, a societal nuclear explosion and chaos, and we're paying for it. Yeah. We're because our secular humanist, moral relativist society, by their laws, by the legislation, by the by the, by the Marxist education. They're trying to undermine and harm our marriages and harm our kids. But the Catholic Church gives us gives us the, the answer. It gives us the divine order by which we can heal and strengthen our families. Because we know that Satan attacked marriage and family life in the Garden of Eden by causing Eve to disobey. And through Adam's weakness, you know, he was complicit. Sure. Because Adam did not take, he not he didn't stand up and take charge and protect his wife. Instead, he followed her in her disobedience against God. Well, the same thing's happening today. Satan, in his cunning, uh, you know, in his cunning tricks, he's used his best trick, and and he continues to use this strategy against men and women now in the present age. And what does he do? He uses, for example. What's replaced evangelism in in, in Catholicism in, in in many instances, under Pope Francis, social justice. Yep, social justice has replaced evangelism, and and, and I'll tell you, I, 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 we you and me did a show a while back ago. Well, mm-hmm. where it was, it was written by Protestants, it says social justice apart from evangelization drives youth away from Christianity. That's right if all you're giving them is help the poor so it's going to drive them away from christianity and yeah. and the problem for the all these woke catholics in our church the for them salvation is is the planet save the planet yeah. climate change global warming so the pursuit of 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 saving the planet uh has replaced the pursuit of saving the soul terry
1: yeah well can said. See it. Well said. And you know, uh, Saint John Paul II said it in the early '90s. He said, "The way the family goes is the way the culture goes." So he's right on it when he talks about marriage. I mean, we we've got so few marriages taking place in the church. Why is that, Jesse? And we know why it is because these people they don't think there's any benefit in getting married. Because we got people inside the church even saying it. Well, that's okay. Uh, you can have. Uh, you know, sex without marriage, as long as you love the girl. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Jesse, I'm going to say it right here. It's that bad. It's that bad. I get counseling from men who say, you know, Jerry, I'm having problems with my my wife, and we're we're really struggling. And I went to the local parish priest, and he just told me, hey, dude, let her go. We'll get you an annulment. We'll get you another babe. This is in the confessional. Jess, come on. This guy, these guys, and these are two or three priests in my region Doing this, and I'm asking myself, what's wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. How, how many? How many other places is this happening? Yes, and that's why we're not getting. That's why these these are, they're not getting the, the the true teachings of the church, and they're doing it with compromise. And compromise is the language of the devil.
0: I'll tell you another problem that that we have in Christianity. I don't know about a Protestant because I'm not a Protestant, but in, in Catholic Christianity, right. Peter Crave says this. He says. If Christianity is to experience a renewal in North America, it must recapture its essence, its identity. It must return to Jesus. Close quote. Now, this is exactly what we've lost, Terry. And and it's as embarrassing to say. Yeah. I've read that some of the encyclicals that have come out from this pope don't even mention the name
1: Jesus. Of course, one or two times in a whole encyclical. What's that about? See, this yeah. is why we have to ask and pray for the Holy Father to confirm us in our faith, not to water down the faith. I'm sorry, Jesse. I I pray for that. When I at the end of the rosary, everybody says for the intentions of the Holy Father, I'll tell you right up front. I say, "Let's pray for the Holy Father to confirm us in our faith." In our Father, Hail Mary, and the Glory Be, and I would recommend that more people do that.
0: And and here's another thing that uh Peter Crave says. Tell me. To evangelize young people. He says, Christians are supposed to fight too. The notion of spiritual warfare, the true meaning of jihad, a war against sin rather than flesh and blood, this is central to Christianity and we've lost it. And therefore, opposite forces are entering the vacuum. Yeah. Over the weekend in Tyler, Texas, the Satanists, the witches, and occultists went over to Tyler, Texas to consecrate the city. Wow. The good bishop there fought back. Good. He went the night before. And he prayed prayers of exorcism with a lot of people. And then the next day, a bunch of Catholics and Protestants as well, they went over there and they prayed all day uh, across the street from the Satanists and the occultists that were consecrating the city. uh, But Bishop uh, Strickland was completely, uh, you know, he had their back, in other words. Yeah. Uh, And so, and when we get, when we start realizing that all of of life is spiritual warfare, and I say that, Terry, I just came from Illinois. I was there for three days. I I spoke to a packed church of teenagers. One of my talks, they made all the teenagers from the kids from the parish come, all of them, and it was packed. It was probably I don't know four hundred teen every. They were hip to hip, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. I talked for about an an hour and fifteen minutes on spiritual warfare. The pastor, holy priest, very Father Stephen Clark, he told me. I've brought in this speaker that speaker that speaker to talk to these kids. Yeah. He gets nobody gets their attention. He goes they're disruptive, yeah. they're making noise, they're playing. He says you're the first speaker I've brought in <laughs> that held teenagers attention oh, yeah. for an hour and 15 minutes. Their their eyes were like saucers, or mouth was open. <laughs> I talked about deep spiritual warfare, the Ouija board, okay. the 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 dangers of opening the door through Charlie Charlie, yep. through uh through seances. These ki- and again, this is what we this is and then of course then at the end we had to make a prayer to call Jesus into their life. I had the priests make a prayer to surrender their lives to Jesus, and I said, Father, raise both your hands over as you're saying this prayer. Wow.
1: That is awesome. Folks, don't forget, Our Lady of Fatima said, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Boy, this is a time when we really need spiritual warfare. Yes, my final question to you, brother, is what state should we be living in?
0: Boy, oh boy, please live in a state of sanctifying grace. Amen. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Uh, jump into the arms of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to live in a state of grace. Jump into the arms of Our Lady. That's what it means. That's the only safe place on planet Earth. Uh, And and again, get holy or die trying.
1: You got it. Don't forget, give your priest, our Bishop Sheen's called and chosen. It's free. Go to vmpr.org for a download. May God richly bless you and your family. Thanks for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio.